Good evening, and welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am your host, Drew Creasman, and I want to talk a little bit about an eight to seven win for the Rockies over the Arizona Diamondbacks. But honestly, uh, that's going to be a background to most of the conversation because I am quite frankly and quite honestly, and and that's all I can do is, you know, I, I end every podcast with, I promise you that I am going to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And it is important that I, do that right now and share with you that it is my opinion that this was not a baseball game that that should have been played with everything that's going on around the country with the NBA and other teams in major league baseball stepping aside and choosing to stand with those in our country who are standing up right now to state the very basic but not accepted fundamental human premise that black lives matter. And this is a time for solidarity. I'm a bit disappointed that the game was played, especially considering Matt Kemp taking a principled stand, releasing a statement on Instagram, and none of his teammates choosing to stand with him. And now now that's a little bit difficult, and and we already got to start splitting hairs here. There's a a couple of things I, I want to be the theme of of the conversation tonight and vaguely sober. I do apologize if you're having some drinks and you're enjoying the wins and and you're doing that, you know, one of the, the two themes I want to, to have in this conversation are one understanding what privilege is and two trying to escape what about ism and well actually and oh yeah but and do what i can only in my sphere only with us here that what i can do to move us forward to something better to be productive rather than fight and argue about whatever right to move us forward rather than staying where we so regularly are And I think that in this atmosphere, um, it is, (laughs) it is important to recognize the privilege of watching a baseball game and what that means. That's something that we've fought over a lot. And what does that mean? What does it mean to have white privilege? Um, And I experienced that this evening. I could have chosen, you know, I was in a weird spot. I could have chosen not to watch the game. I could have chosen not to report on the game. Brandon wasn't going to fire me for that. In fact, to lift the curtain entirely, I got a call from Brandon, not that I was really in any doubt, but said, say what you want to say. Say what you, you know, I'm not going to muzzle you 
on this. And that's right, David. The problem is that no one wants to have the real, raw, truthful conversation. It is a privilege that I experienced, that I got to watch a baseball game tonight. And in moments, and I'm telling you it was moments because I'm enraged, I'm incensed over the killing, another one of Jacob Blake and Elijah McClain and Breonna Taylor and Tamir Rice, and, my, and it goes on and on and on. But, Okay. There's a lot of people out there feeling rage and incense, and they get to do that. And that, of course, and, and you should. And, and I am I am one of those people as well. But like I said, I, I want this to be about those two things: understanding the privilege of of watching a baseball game, of getting to take that in, of forgetting for however long. And Kyle Freeland had a very powerful statement about you know getting to forget for four hours, but recognize that while it's not wrong, it is privilege that we are afforded that we wouldn't be afforded if our lives and livelihoods were different right jacob blake's family didn't take in a baseball game today and because i'm separate from it and this is what's for so i did a thing tonight that i i, I really didn't think i was calling out at&t sports and 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 I want to address this because I think it's related to the point that we're talking. I I had mentioned because I know a lot of people said they weren't going to watch tonight's game. And I totally understand why that was the case. Since I decided I was going to watch the game and report on it and just do what I could through all of that to highlight what's going on in the world. Um you know, once I made that decision. Uh, I started reporting on things that were and weren't happening kind of to the people who I assumed weren't watching. And I pointed out that the AT&T broadcast had not yet, as I turned on the game right as it started, mentioned the protests or, or, or what was going on. And I caught a bit of flack for that. And actually, Jenny Kavnar hit me up and you know, we did a whole thing in the pregame and um, that's, that's really great. And it's awesome. And I just happened to miss the pregame. And I do feel bad about that, particularly because I know people worked really, really hard on that. Their production team is phenomenal. I know people put a lot of time and heart and thought into what they presented in the pregame. And I, by no means wanted to, diminish their work. I merely was a bit surprised that the broadcast of the game, and if I may be frank, not everybody watches the pregame. I love the work that Jenny and Corey and and the whole production team there do. They're the best. Uh, They really, really are. Um, But I don't always catch the pregame and postgame. And I know a lot of people don't always catch the pregame and postgame. A lot of people tune it in right as the game's coming on. You know that's when the audience is the biggest. And so, yes, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't open with, good evening, we're all aware of what's going on in the world. We stand with Matt Kemp. Here is his statement before we get started. Here's what's going on in the world. We understand the backdrop of the evening that's taking place We're all a bit conflicted about being here, but we're going to try to move forward with the best attitude. Um, I I think that would have been a way to go. 
I'm, I'm not on their staff. It's not my job necessarily to critique AT&T sports. Um, where this comes back to our conversation about privilege, though, is the privilege to put it on the pregame to have what amounts to a two or three minute long conversation in the third inning and to move on with your day and your life. That's privilege. And again, there's, there's not always something we can do about it, right? There's not always something that, that, you know, I, I exist in this realm of privilege as well. And could I do more to bring diversity to DNVR and make sure that there are more people of color and more women who have an opportunity to share their voice in the world of baseball? I absolutely could. And I intend to do those things. Uh, I intend to take action in that regard, in all respects. I just want to you know, through all these conversations, it's difficult because I've seen what a lot of people have had to say. And I have tried to take in the wisdom of people who do not look like me. And I and I kind of approach this particularly. There was something that uh, Hassan Minhaj said on his program to a to a young person asking about. You know, the these issues and, and do you really think there's all these people out there that hate us? And he said, you know what, I actually don't there there there's hate and and real hate out there and we have to be aware of that but there's also just so much ignorance so much of it just comes from a place of ignorance and not listening so while i was really happy that when the broadcast did start talking about it during the game during the third um that their theme was we all need to listen we all need to do a better job of listening. But then again, we heard a little bit more from the perspective of those who have had the privilege historically, particularly the white police. And that in and of itself is an issue. And so when people say, well, what does it even do, Drew? Why, 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 why protest? Why not play? in the NBA or why, you know, what does that even do? ACL dialogue and information is incredibly powerful. We have to have these conversations and we have to recognize what it means to be able to obfuscate or not pay attention to and go about your life regularly. I can only speak to my own experiences. Tonight, watching a baseball game, I experienced white privilege. In my life, from the time I was in kindergarten through the University of Colorado at Boulder, I never had a black teacher, not one, that creates an isolated worldview to a certain extent that I feel lucky to have hopefully escaped or, or rounded out in some ways. Let me give you another example. I went down to a 
wrestling show in Colorado Springs a couple of weekends ago. I oh, know this was this was several months ago now. This is this was pre-lockdown. This, this was this is when a show where, where people were there. And it was a night off. You know, I didn't have anything to do. Uh I wasn't gonna have to be driving back. I, I was not the driver for the evening. We were down for a wrestling show. Uh, I had several Breck brews. I enjoyed myself. I got in the passenger side of the car, as you should in that situation. Let my very responsible girlfriend drive. On the drive back up, car broke down on the side of the road. Police officer pulls over, presumably to check and see if we're okay. Uh, but ends up being a little bit uh, harassing toward us, just very slightly. Um very, very strange, kind of antagonistic. Where are you coming from? What are you doing? Uh, you got to get out of the road here. We, we, we were stuck. We had, the car wouldn't move. And, you know, we were trying to explain that to him. Uh, and then a lot of questions about how much I'd had to drink and whether or not she had had anything to drink. And he took at our word that I was the one who'd been drinking and kind of left us alone after that. Didn't stick around to hang out for the, the tow truck or anything like that. And it occurred to me only moments later that if I or we were black, that could have unfolded very, very differently because it was clear he could smell it on me. You know, it was very clear. And so let's recognize what privilege is. And it's, and it can be difficult to do because sometimes it's the thing that doesn't happen, right? The thing that does not happen to you. That was a thing that did not happen to me. There was another one that I talked about, I think on this podcast, when I got a really ridiculous parking ticket at the airport and I got into a verbal confrontation with a police officer. I was pissed. I was upset. I was flustered. I was getting a ticket that I could barely afford to pay for doing what I thought was the right thing. And I felt like I had absolutely no agency in the matter. We are supposed to live in a country of free agency, not the baseball term, right? This is what we fought the American Revolution over. The right to freely walk from your home to your place of business to whatever without being stopped and harassed by the government and murdered for any reason. There is no reason that would have justified what happened to Jacob Blake. None. The police don't get to kill you. Period. We fought a revolution over that. And to think that you can what about any of these situations, turn them into isolated incidents, explain them away, as I see somebody trying to do here in the comment section. Any individual one, there are thousands of them. Literally thousands of them. These are only the ones that get caught on tape. These are the ones that were just now, and by we, I mean white people as a wide, wider, broader society, are just now. There was a Dave Chappelle joke 
from when I was in high school about white people being shocked that the police were beating. Oh, can you, the police have been beating up black people like hotcakes. From when I was in high school, it is malignant, purposeful ignorance at this point to explain away any individual one of them. The whataboutism has to stop. And it goes around everywhere. Stop changing the subject. It's not about the police and how many of them are good and how many of them are bad apples and how many. That's There are fundamental rights in this country. We wrote them down in the Constitution on purpose. You don't get to treat people this way. And when you do, it is imperative that the people stand up and exercise their First Amendment rights to freedom of speech and to peaceably assemble and to petition their government to knock it the to knock it off. They're murdering the citizenry. And so the Rockies played a baseball game, and I watched it for an evening of entertainment. And I enjoyed the game. It was a, it was a good game. I got real excited. Charlie Blackman hit a grand slam. John Gray probably had the best outing of his season so far. But I can't remember the name of the the guy for the the Milwaukee Bucks who got tased and and beaten up by the cops and and then they tried to pay him off because they knew if it was a famous and powerful black person they might maybe get in trouble this time and people trying to what about him oh what about this one and that one what about this situation It is an embarrassing state of affairs for our country. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so, yes, this was the least invested I've I've been in a baseball game for a very long time. It it, it is it is very difficult to focus on this and process it right now. When just down the road, just in Aurora, I mean, our Aurora police are some of the worst. They, they've become nationally famous. They murdered Elijah McClain with chemical injection. They lied about it. We caught them, that we have the documents. And then they took pictures of themselves at the crime scene, mocking him. A young man who played violin music to homeless people and pets, never harmed a soul in his life. His killers walk free. Elijah McClain's family didn't take in a baseball game tonight or a basketball game. They're out there fighting. And so I don't, we can only do this for so long. 
it doesn't get better if nothing happens. And things are out there happening. You know, we've we've more or less ended qualified immunity in Colorado. The other 49 states have done jack all. But, hey, that's good for us, I guess. Action has to be taken. Laws need to be passed. Things have to change. And Sean Doolittle is right. Sports are what we get for a functioning society. And we do not have a functioning society. I saw somebody on Twitter. I I wish it was just in the stream of things that flew by me tonight. Somebody had... Uh, pointed out, shoot, no, I just totally lost my, my train of thought there. What, who's going on? Oh, yeah, 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 the, the Colin Kaepernick thing. This is like the three-year anniversary of the Colin Kaepernick thing, three or four. And that, I can't remember, I think it was the Rams sent something out that if any of their players knelt, they would get fined. And the NFL shut that whole thing down. They were more or less able to successfully shut down a peaceful, totally nonviolent, silent protest. And they wonder why it escalates. That's why. Because if you disrupt, you don't know. And yeah, fire child, uh, I see you asking. Yeah, basically there's a law in the books now in all but this state of Colorado that you basically can't be sued if you're the police and you kill somebody. That basically, if you're let off by judges and DAs that are... Also, your pals, typically, they tend to be very, very close. And that's part of the other problem is why a lot of times charges aren't brought against police is because they know the DA and the judges and all these people, and they all work together as a part of the same system, right? And so at least now in Colorado, and that's exactly what's happened. We've ended qualified immunity, and the first thing that happened was Elijah McClain's family sued the Aurora PD and the officers who murdered their son. And I hope that they win huge. And I hope that every other state gets this. And I know nationally we've come out with some things, you know, trying to ban chokeholds and stuff like that. But we have to move past the fight of Black Lives Matter. We have to move past saying it and and go about creating a society that reflects it. It's not a debate. It is a movement. Asiel, you know, and and I struggle with that when because you're right. It's a human being issue. It's not a political issue, or at least it shouldn't be. Though oftentimes those things cross over. You know, the, the American Revolution was a protest and it was political and it was about basic human rights and it was violent. And it was messy and it was ideological and it was not 
a consensus among everyone who fought in it. The founding fathers fought each other. Read some of the ways that John Adams and, and Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton talked about each other. It, these guys ripping at each other's throats. But there stood at the base of that, at the very least, a belief that the other person believed in their argument and believed that they were standing for the right thing, right? And that is not how we argue in debate today. We do the exact opposite. The handful of, of tourists that stopped in here in the comments to try to give me shit before taking off, right? What do we do? We show up, we assume a bunch of stuff about people we don't know. We, we attack the individual so we don't have to listen to what they have to say. We assume that those who disagree with us don't do so principally, but do so out of malice or oftentimes even evil. And now we're talking Locke and Rousseau and Hobbes in the in the comments section. Love it. I knew y'all were my people for some reason. John Rawls. Check out John Rawls and the Veil of Ignorance. Black men in this society have an extraordinarily higher chance of being murdered by people who are supposed to be there to protect them. If you didn't know what society was, what you were going to be before you were born. You didn't know if you were going to be born in any particular race, religion, country. You had no idea where you're going to be born, what you're going to look like. How would you design society? If your answer is, I would definitely design a society where a certain percentage of the population is treated completely unfairly by those who enforce the rules. I don't, I don't know what to, to tell you. That's, I mean, and, and then you're, you're crossing your fingers, I guess, and hoping that you're not one of the people in that category, because then your life is going to be a living hell. And if you don't believe that our black neighbors are going through living hell, then you're not doing what Goodman and Spilly were talking about on the broadcast tonight about the most important thing. Then you're not listening. If your first response to someone getting shot or somebody saying, I feel I've been oppressed my whole life. If your first response to that is to say, well, you know, then you're not listening. Then you're not listening. You're putting your experience before theirs. When you say, hey, but I've got a friend or a family member who's a cop and, you know, they've got it. Then you're not listening to their experience. You're not there to hear their problem. You're here to turn it into your problem. Okay, Carl, I, I see you here. I appreciate that. I really do. I... 
still will not talk partisan politics on here. I'm never going to tell anybody what to do. And I'm not going to comment on parties or political officials or tell anybody how to vote. I will tell people that they should vote. That's one thing I will say. Vote. The people who come out and argue that voting doesn't change anything are some of the most privileged people in the world. I'll just say that. If voting doesn't change anything for you, then again, like me tonight getting to watch the baseball game without fear that the police are going to break into my apartment and shoot me, that is a privilege that I have that Breonna Taylor did not. So I agree with you, Kekar. Bring back healthy debate. Bring back conversations. But that does require listening. You cannot hijack the conversation when somebody says an overwhelming number of black and brown people are being beaten and murdered by the police. When they are telling us that the drug war is racist. We have to listen and not say, oh, yeah, well, okay, but what about that's no, the whataboutism has to come to an end. Let's fix it. Help me fix my thing. I'll help you fix your thing. But the the changing of the subject to say, well, yeah, but cops have it hard too, or well, yeah, you know, I may be a white guy, but I've I've had hard times in my life. I've had hard times in my life. I've had to skip meals to pay bills. I've had some really rough things go down. I lost my, lost my father when he was 26. When I was 21 years old, there was a thing involving drugs and guns and people died and it was awful. And it's a story that's not entirely of my own that that I could tell, you know. Get a few brecks in me sometime at the, at the bar. No, it's not a good place to tell that story, but I've been through stuff, man. I get it. I'm. That's not what white privilege is. No one's saying that you haven't experienced hard times. I basically operated at a deficit during my 20s. You know, I barely, barely got through. I'm barely getting by now. I do, you know, it's like, I'm not making, I'm just now starting to make some money, basically, in life. I'm 33 and I can pay my bills and sometimes afford to go out to eat, starting now. That's not, but I got to watch a baseball game tonight. And maybe I should have been out there on the streets of Aurora or Denver, or I'm not close enough to Kenosha, but. That is, it's, it's a fact of, of reality. And until that changes, I'm going to keep speaking up until the killers of Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain are behind bars and charged with murder. I'm going to keep speaking up. And I hear you, Jason, saying they, they're, they're risking alienating people. But this is why I put these two conversations together, right? About privilege and about the whataboutism 
and the moving forward. Because what's stopping the NBA and Major League Baseball does is it interrupts people's lives. That's what blocking a highway or a bridge does. That's what handcuffing yourself to a building does. That's what marching down the street, waving signs, and chanting outside the house of the government official who's responsible for doing the thing. That's what protest is about. It's supposed to be disruptive. It's supposed to start the conversation. And you're right. It does risk alienating fans, but I would submit to you this. It is now our responsibility as sports fans, fans of baseball and basketball and hockey and football and rugby and soccer, all of it. To admit that Sean Doolittle was right and that sports are what we get when our society functions and fix these problems we divert whatever anger or frustration we may feel that they took away our basketball or our baseball. And we focus that in on what can I do to make it better? What can I do? Who can I petition? There is someone in your town and they, they will listen. Some of them won't, but you, there will be somebody. If it's not the sheriff, if it's not the mayor, if it's not your congressman, find someone who will listen, write letters, Make specific demands. You want an end to qualified immunity. You want an end to chokeholds. You want to make sure that there's funding for mental skills training, de-escalation. You want to make sure that the budget of the, the police and safety is going more toward preventing violence than escalating and causing it. You'd like to see a downgrade in the amount of military weapons that our police have make your demands specific, but make them, make them publicly, make them to all of these people. And I hear you, Jedi. It's not as, it's not as easy as just doing that, but if everyone does some of it, more stuff does start to happen. Like I said, we made movement here in Colorado. That means it's possible that means it's only a matter of willpower. It's only, and that's all it ever is, as much as it may not seem like it sometimes. And this is where I'll get back on where people start to believe I am this big optimist that I'm not. Well, maybe I am. I don't know. Here, here it is. Here's where we go. Believe it or not, we do still live in a democracy. I, For those of you that don't know, I used to work in politics before I got into sports. I've seen the ugliness of it up close. That's why I got out of it. It was disgusting. I could not handle our attacks on the opponent. That's why I quit, all right? Because I couldn't stand the BS calling the other guy a flip-flopper and getting personal. And I, let's can we please debate the That's why I got out, right? But if enough people call, if enough people write, and yes, if enough people vote, change happens. It does happen. When I was in high school and I debated these issues and, and I would get super passionate about uh, again, I don't want to get too much into the certain politics. There were things I never thought would change, ever. Here, here's one, again, that's just a human rights thing. When I was in high school, if you would have told me then that a 33-year-old would be sitting here in a world where all gays and lesbians have the right to marry whoever the hell they want, I would have said, 
what are you kidding me? Only like 33% of the people in this country think that that's okay. And so many people are just absolutely frightened by the very concept of it. We won the information war. Why? Because we educated people. Back to what Hassan Minhaj had to say. Don't engage with those who have hate. Report them. You know, and if it's real hate, report them to the police and move on. I know the police, whatever. That can be difficult too. Report them to Twitter. Keep them out. Very difficult right, right now. The middle ground, the ignorance. We can educate. We can win the information war. We can have another successful civil rights movement in this country. I believe we're in the midst of one right now. And I refuse to allow pessimism, very, very legitimate and grounded pessimism and cynicism about our government and how corrupt it is, persuade me to give up. I won't. Ever. We can't. Because I'm not the one who's had it hard. It's not what we do. So, the Rockies won a baseball game tonight. 8-7. We're back over 500. Good job, team. I suspect they'll play again tomorrow, and I suspect tomorrow I will be uh, a bit more collected and uh, talk more about the baseball. And that is a privilege. That is a privilege that I am afforded because my family is protected by those in power. And I would not sleep so safely or go to work so safely or speak about sports so safely if that wasn't the case. I don't know how we move on through here, but I'll just say this. I will continue to do what I can to be a productive part of the conversation moving forward. I want to do everything I can to share. So I wrote in tonight's game recap, I shared uh, 303magazine.com, showed a ton of um, like Denver area, the whole metro area, all up and down, uh, black-owned businesses. Support with your money. I watched a Netflix documentary with Killer Mike taken black art and one of the things he talked about you know black friday easy to remember we all know what black friday is right <clears throat> but instead of just doing this big crazy christmas time thing right after thanksgiving every friday spend a little bit of money at a black owned business that's non-controversial you don't have to take an opinion again these are things we don't have to fight about you don't have to that's not anti-police that's not anti-anything that's not pro an organization you may dislike, just a black business owner right across the street from the DNVR bar. He owns an ice cream restaurant called Smith and Lock. Stop in, get some ice cream. That's not a controversial thing to do. There's all kinds of stuff like that that we can do 
to help out. And I'm going to be sharing those types of things. I'm going to be trying to, to, to do them. And, and I know for some people, I saw somebody earlier in the comments, they go, so you're virtue signaling, like, I guess I don't, I don't want to be that guy either, but doing nothing is not an option. I'll just tell you that virtue signal. Fine. I don't like being that guy. I, I hope I'm just someone who's talking about issues and sharing good ideas so that other people can do them like the black Friday thing or whatever, whatever it may be. Just doing nothing isn't an option. Doing nothing is the height of privilege and whataboutism. And turning around and saying, well, I've got something else I can focus on. Yeah. Another black man shot in the back seven times by people our tax dollars pay to protect us. And by us, I mean the citizenry. The American people, our brothers and sisters. And then I watched a baseball game. It's worth thinking about. I'm going to sign off. I didn't read out anything for any of our sponsors. It would feel in a weird way, craven to do so. But just for me personally, for those of you that are here, like I was talking earlier, like it's, it's not a lie. Like I scratched to get to this point. I'm making it. So, you know, Strava craft coffee, Breck brew, DraftKings, um, MSU, Denver, WGT golf, all those people, they pay my salary. They put food on my table. So um, I, I've also got to make sure that I fulfill my obligations to them and to you, you subscribe to the dnbr.com and, and, and I owe you that uh, as well. Um, but as I say, every time out, I hope you will continue to be awesome. Uh, and I can only ever continue to be absolutely Drew Kreisman. It's all I know how to do. And I'll continue to do that moving forward. Because to totally drop it again is a privilege that's afforded to me that I'm going to do everything to try to reject. Let's try to make the world a better place tomorrow. Thank you all for listening. I hope you will sleep well this evening. And until next time, I'll see you at the ballpark.